You are listening to SaaS Growth. On this podcast, we can cover the ins and outs of growing a B2B SaaS company to help point your compass in the direction of success. During this podcast, we will be interviewing experts from all over the world as they share the best tactics and strategies they're using to grow their SaaS. My name is Cedric Pudvay. I'm the CEO of Vertex Marketing Agency, an agency where we focus solely on growing B2B SaaS companies. And I'm also one of the co-hosts of the show. When we're not interviewing industry leaders, we will be sharing some of the systems we are implementing for our clients. Let's launch. Today, our honored guest is the founder of multiple SaaS companies, including Missing Letter, a social media marketing automation company that automatically creates 12 months worth of social content for each blog post that you published. He previously owned a web agency for over 10 years and during this time launched a number of SaaS startups. Today, we have Benjamin Dell. How's it going? Hey, very well. Great to be here. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I kind of gave you uh, kind of a brief summary, kind of who you are. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about yourself and kind of the software? Sure. So, um, yeah, so I, I've, I've been in the sort of the, the wider sort of tech space for, for a number of years now. Um, I, I, I ran a web agency here in the UK for about 10 years. Uh, and then sort of transitions that sort of the traditional transition from service to product. It's the, the often the holy grail of, of the uh, agency owner. Um, and that's something that I, I more rapidly realized was more my calling and something that I should be pivoting into um, in the sort of the last sort of phases of, of, of that agency that I mentioned. Um, and so, um, yeah, sort of transitioned out, um, launched Missing Letter, um, which you mentioned at the top there. Uh, and then since then, and this was just this was sort of two years ago that I, I sort of sold the agency and then um, uh, uh, set up uh, Missing Letter. And then since then, I've subsequently launched three other SaaS businesses, um, each with independent teams um, and, it, of course, independent focuses um, and a bit of market crossover, but but really going after different um, different different things there. And they're all at different stages. So I kind of you know I'm not CEO for all of them, but I kind of wear that sort of strategic hat. Uh, in, uh, in different ways for, for each of the businesses, you know, some are very, very embryonic, kind of just thinking about the, the messaging and, and, and positioning within within the marketplace. Others, you know, we're really just sort of I'm working with my CEOs and, and, and kind of building out the teams. Um, so it kind of keeps keeps life interesting, put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Definitely seemed like a pretty busy man. Um, probably very generic. You probably get this all the time, but very interesting question. So you were an agency owner before. What made you decide to develop this software and kind of switch over from the service to the product? Yeah, so it's, again, these are probably going to be quite common um, answers, but for me, it was really just two things. One, a realization that actually my my real sort of skill set, but also passion is building my own thing. There is, there is no substitute uh, if, you're, if you're that type of person for, for, for having your own thing that you have control over versus for all intents and purposes, building the exact same thing, but for someone else. And, and that psychological difference for me turned out to be the, you know, a really uh, definitive um, sort of point. You know, it, it was great building things and solutions for, for, for our customers and we you know, built some great relationships, but ultimately when it came down to it, it was for someone else. And, and that really, it, it wasn't nourishing my own soul from, a, from a, you know, what I like, the types of ideas, the ownership I like to have over the destiny and the decisions that I, that I have in front of me. And, and then the second answer is, um, or the second reason, is quite frankly, you know, you've got the difference between a service business, which, you know, yes, 
if you're clever, you have a bit of retainer, you know, repeat business baked in there, but largely it's project based. And so, you know, it's that, it's that Nirvana of a, um, of a repeating sort of business model that, that, that captivates you initially. Of course, you then need to find a way to, to make that a reality. Very cool. Yeah. Really good context there. It's a, uh... Very true what you say, but if you're part of that, like if that's really who you are, then it makes it a lot easier for you to like have a passion within that. Um, so bring me through like a day in the life. So you say you run, you run four different kind of software companies. Like, are you always working from home? Are you visiting every person from one hour to the next? Got like a really, like, really strict schedule. Like what's it like to run four SaaS companies, I guess. <laughs> well, for anyone, uh, I'm guessing you're not putting the video out here, but I have no hair. That's, that's no, there's no coincidence there. It is busy. It is crazy. But and I think there's going to be a continuing theme in, in, in this conversation. And that's around understanding who you are as a founder, as a, as an entrepreneur, as an operator, as a maker, as a whatever you want to, however you define yourself, getting as quickly as possible to the point where you understand what makes you tick um, really, really helps. So to your, to your question about a typical day, well, first of all, in terms of location, I work um, from home and that's because I spent 10 years in, in running the agency from an office and to me too far too long to realize this, but, but by the end of that period, I kind of realized that, okay, if I am going to make a switch, one of the key things I'm going to be doing is, is making sure that I, I work from home. So I have a bit more flexibility. I've got three kids now. So it's, it's, that's also important to make sure that I, I can sort of, you know, be slightly closer to them physically, um, but also be able to duck out and check them out at school and do all that sort of thing. Um, and so because of that, my, my days are, um, a bit more fluid, I suppose. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm a bit of a workaholic, but equally there are key things that I um, will stop working for and they pretty much are family, um, you know, going to watch the kids play sport or whatever it might be. But apart from that, I, I set really tight deadlines on a day-to-day -day basis um, and at the very least a week-by-week -week basis and then I kind of work backwards from there. Uh, and the way I see it is push yourself really hard, set some tight deadlines and if you, the aim is to get there by Thursday, even though you're kind of giving yourself until, until Friday. And then for me, Friday is kind of a fun day. It's where I get to, if I've reached my targets, I can um, sort of experiment with different sort of ideas and kind of let my mind run a bit more, uh, a bit more creatively. Cool, cool. Are you one of those people who has like every single minute scheduled in their calendar? Or you kind of just like, you have the deadlines and you know you'll get it done by then. I'm the sort of, no, I'm not as granular as that in, in the sense that it's got to be prescribed. Um, I, I just... I, I decide what I'm going to be doing and then I just focus on it. And then the sort of person that won't stop for lunch until I finish the thing that I set out to do. Um, and, I, and I'm also the person that will, I try and squeeze the amount of time in between one thing and the other. I don't like to waste time is the way to answer that, I suppose. So if I'm going from, you know, even just the office to the kitchen, I'm getting there as quickly as I can. If I'm making my cup of coffee, I've refined that process down to an absolute tea, but maybe I should use the word coffee there, um, to, 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 to really hone that process as quickly as possible so that I can get back into the office. And, you know, so and it's kind of fun as well. I get to sort of think about the, you know, the, the timing, the waiting of the, of the coffee grinds, the, the, the steps I take from the from the coffee machine over, you know, to pivot round to the to the fridge, have a bit of fun with it. But it makes it might sound a bit mental, but but these are the sorts of things that speed up my day, make it a bit more efficient, and kind of make it a bit more fun as well. I I, I really want to make sure I'm optimizing for working and not for the the gaps in between. Yeah, hundred percent. So you kind of mentioned that like on on the Fridays, kind of your fun day if you get things done on time. Aside from setting your deadlines and then having fun, like what do you do kind of to remain sane, I guess, in such like a busy, in such a busy life. 
So like for me personally, um, I've gotten really into like meditation and I've always gone to the gym. So like I kind of use as, those as like my escape and usually like Sunday is my day off. So like kind of what, what are you doing to? <laughs> yeah, it's, do you know what? It, it, it's something that I, I don't think I've solved yet. Um, I, I, I am a workaholic. I do work a lot. I have a lot of um, contradictory things going on in my, in my day. So for example, um, I will, because I work from home, I, I will refuse to, you know, apart from when I'm doing calls like this, I, I will keep my door open um, because I want to think, or I want my family to think that they can just walk in and, you know, la-di-dog, you know, just walk in nice and gently and quietly and just sort of say hello. And we, but of course that never happens. You know, the kid will run in and shout and say, can I, can I take the iPad? Can I do this? And I get really stressed. I get really, when I'm focused, in, my, in that sort of tunnel visions of a sense, I get really stressed. Uh, and yet I refuse to close the door because of what that then represents. It represents in my mind a shutting off, a separation, and that doesn't sit with me either. So the short answer really is that, you know, I haven't worked all this stuff out yet. I'm still struggling with finding that balance and everything else. I've, I've put off going to the gym and, and doing all the sort of keep yourself fit sort of bit um, for too long. I need to get back into that. Um, I, I am pretty um, dogmatic with my weekends. I try not to work um, at all really on the weekends apart from just catching up on emails. Um, so that's kind of a sacred sort of, um, sort of space and I do as much as I can with, with the kids. Uh, and as I mentioned, I, I try and watch my kids play sport whenever they do um, at, at, at school. So literally whenever they have a, a sports match, football, netball, cricket, whatever it might be, I'm always making sure that that's in the diary and that's an un immovable thing. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, it's not glamorous. <laughs> okay. I see. I feel like this is kind of like a question that everyone has. So kind of like on Instagram or, you know, like no Grant Cardo, you know, they always talk about like hustle, 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 um, no time off, like work, work till you get it done. Do you think that is like super needed for you to be successful? Do you think that people need to burn out? in order to like grow their business at a significant rate? Or do you think that having time off and like using those coping mechanisms is like more necessary than just working all the time? No, I, I, I think the short answer is no, you, you don't, it's not a prerequisite to have those things in order to be successful. Having said that, um, it does take a certain amount of time to build up that muscle, whatever that muscle is for you, whether it's, you know, being super snappy at making strategic decisions in high pressure situations, whether it's, um, churning out a, a design, you know, within half an hour, whatever that thing is, you, I think to be successful in your own sort of space, you do need to build up your own superpowers. Uh, and that doesn't have to happen as a result of, 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 of really doing that hustle, as you mentioned. But often the case is that you do need to have put in that sort of amount of effort over a certain period of time in order to sort of grow those muscles, whether it's working excessively for three years or whether it's working at a slightly slower pace for five years doesn't really matter I, but I, I do think you need to become really effective at the things that you do now the other way of answering that is or, or before you can answer that i suppose you need to first of all understand what is the thing that i'm most effective at or where is the most value that i can provide um, and i think that's something that also takes practice to understand those things because certainly when you're when you're starting out um, you know whether you if you have a luxury of a co-founder that helps um but if you don't you, you certainly are on your own and you and you have to do everything so a big part of that is understanding what are the, which are the parts that i'm good at um excellent at and and just capable at and and you kind of want to whittle out those things that can be delegated uh, and then excel at the things that you're you're really really good at um but no i don't think it's a prerequisite to to sort of hustle um i think as long as you get the things done that are important 
doesn't really matter how long it takes or, or when they get done. The question is, how quickly do you want them done or need them done within the context of that market or business landscape that, you, that you're in? Yeah, totally. So agree. Multifaceted, multifaceted answer there. It, yeah, it no, depends. it's good. It's good. Very good. Actually, uh, really good insight. Um, so, kind of based around obviously overcoming stress and stuff, a lot of the time it's worked around like the problems that are in the company, like the, the next kind of challenge. And to, oh, in order to get over that challenge, like obviously you need coping mechanisms. But as a business owner, you know, different softwares, what are kind of the main pain points that you face running a business? I think, again, it depends on the type of person that you are. But for me, it's always been delegation um, because I, I, as we alluded to before, I like to quickly execute and, and get to that end point as effectively, but also as quickly as possible. And so that becomes a double-edged sort of sword where um, I see myself as the quickest, most effective person at doing that thing, which is not always the case. And there are always cleverer people um, than, than yourself. But I've built up this sort of idea that I am the, the, the best at doing these things. And, and that's a, a, a fallacy. That's, that, that's clearly not true. Uh, and so I've had to learn over time to, to really cope at delegating and learn how to delegate effectively. And mm -hmm. that's been the, the, the biggest struggle for me. How did you learn that? You just realized that other people were also good at what you're doing? Did you have to do research or like, how did you figure that out? Um, I think for me, it's, it's been a realization of understanding where my skills lie and then understanding that beyond that point or after that point, it's a waste of my time to be focusing on those things. So it's less about the role um, or, the, or the type of work. Um, for some people, it might be the type of work. It might be that there's a clear delineation between um, uh, you know, accounting work and development work or, or sales or marketing or whatever it might be. For me, it's less about the type of work. It's more about the stage of the business. So I found that my strengths really lie in that really embryonic sort of stage of building out a business. The, the, the ideation process, coming up with the idea, defining how it fits into the market and what that overall vision and opportunity is, and then building out from a technical standpoint um, that first product, that MVP, if you will, um, the design, the marketing, literally everything that goes with it, I need to have entire control over that, um, but up to a point. And then once it's established as, a, as an idea that's out there, it's taking revenue, uh, and it will de depend from one product to another what that sort of break-even point needs to be. But once it's, it has to at least be taking revenue uh, in, in you know, at least a few thousand um, per month. Um, once it's there, that's when I've realized that my skills then diminish. And it's important then for me to then bring people in who can then run with the baton um, it, it, if I use a running analogy and, and, and then go with it and, and, and then I can sort of be focused on the next idea and bringing that to that critical point of it's in the market it's ready to be consumed it's taking revenue and we've kind of ironed out all those sort of initial sort of pain points I see is that kind of why you develop like the missing letter software because like I feel like that's really in the beginning stages you, you write a blog and then in those beginning stages of whatever company that you have or the marketing program that you do have you need all of this content so is that kind of why you decided to like develop develop the software yeah I mean I, th I think there are definitely some commonalities in, in the ideas that I have at this stage in, in my career I suppose which is things that superpower you at certain stages of your business. And yes, most of them are at those early stages, although some of the more recent ones are, are more sort of, you know, going into that more established business sort of, sort of, um, sort of area. But yeah, certainly, I mean, we noticed uh, when running the agency, um, you know, a while back that our customers were having these blogs built for them by us amongst, you know, some other clever sort of technical things that we're building for them. And then they would have a team that would write these blog posts and then they would kind of 
leave it there, just assuming, assuming that, that, that once they've written them, people would come and, and view them. And they were putting very little time, if anything, into the promotion of those blog posts. And so mm. um, Missing Letter was born from that. Um, and that's really just a really simple way of coming up with you know coming up with ideas there's nothing better than experiencing the problem either yourself or seeing it multiple times you know repeating itself uh, in front of you um through your customers your clients whatever it happens to be very true so you were it was just you at the beginning right of uh yes. like yeah just you is it still just you? like you're the only founder and then you have like a whole marketing team behind you and like sales and stuff or is it Yep. So I'm, I'm still the only founder. That's a, a problem I have. I, I've never been able to share it with anyone else. <laughs> I don't, because that early stage, as I described before, I like to have ultimate control over. It, it, it generally means that I need to be the solo founder. So yes, I'm the only founder. I'm the majority stakeholder and shareholder in, 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 in all of those companies. Um, two of them are very early stage. And so it's literally just me and I'm, I'm still just establishing um, uh, the initial sort of traction. Um, one of which is in revenue. Uh, a few thousand a month. The other one is um, not in revenue. We literally went into beta a few weeks ago. Um, but the other two businesses, um, Missing Letter and Hey Summit, they have their own teams, um, completely separate. You know, and we've got an office in Edinburgh with one of them, uh, and then a few um, teams, uh, team members spread out around the world. And and then similar with uh, Missing Letter, um, a smallish team but spread sort of um, around the world. Mm-hmm. And so that that step between just being you as a founder and you doing everything to having a whole team behind you kind of like what did that when did you know that you needed them and like kind of what did that mean for you like how did that help you out like having a whole team well as with everything uh, when did i find out that i needed them far too late um as it as is always the case um and it's an interesting story because if, if we take those two companies that have their own teams we've got missing letter on the one side and then hey summit and Missing Letter is, 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 is the first out of this crop of four companies that I launched uh, two years ago, just over two and a half years ago, maybe. Um, hey, Summit is, is much more recent, about 10 months ago. Um, with Missing Letter, I started out as the fully-fledged, full-time CEO, because that's what business books tell you that you need. You know, you, you are the, you know, you're the founder, therefore, of course, you are the CEO. That's the role that you take. And, and yes, we've all been told that sometimes you have to fire yourself and when, when the company's really, really big, and then you sort of bring someone in, but but, but up until that point, you, that's that's your role, right? You follow mm-hmm. through along that path, and so that's how I started out, and kept on battling with this um, this this idea of focusing on one thing and 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 doing the the, the daily sort of graft of 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 running a company that that I think I had the skills for, but really not the passion for. Passion was really that embryonic sort of ideation you know, uh, pushing things out to market in the first places, um, inventing, if you will. Um, and so as a result, Missing Letter has seen me initially come in as the CEO and then step away gradually in order to build out these other companies. Um, and, and so it's a bit messier there where we actually don't have a full-time CEO at the moment. I've got a, a head of operations that is pretty much running day to day, and then he reports directly to me. Um, and the goal is that we will have a full-time CEO at some point either hide from internally or we'll go out and find a specialist um, at some point but it's just it's become a little bit more difficult to just literally put a CEO in there because of the fact that the, the team have been used to me being there running it and now I'm not but I'm kind of half in half out it's, it's not perfect um, but we're getting on really well and, and it's and it's working fantastically in fact we just got back two days ago from a team retreat in, in Marseille in France um, and, and it, you know coming out of that in fact there's no reason for me to believe that we need a full-time ceo we all we all know exactly what our individual roles are and they're kind of getting on with it but i think 
really to grow, we, we will need that. Um, whereas if you look on the contrast of that, um, Hey Summit, we um, took it from, you know, launched the beta November last year, so 2018. Um, fast forward um, 10 months, we're sort of eight grand, I think it is a month in revenue. Um, so nothing crazy, but but we've got some revenue. And so uh, I'm, 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 we're able to put some cash in there um, to, to sort of give us a, give us a meaningful runway. And so straight out of the gates, um, I was able to bring in people straight away. And, and there's a guy, Rob, who's, who's the CEO there that I've known for many, many years, um, who just by serendipity, he was available and we've always wanted to do things together and it just felt so perfect to bring him in. And so, but the, but the point is, because I'd realized by that point that really my skills were not in, in maintaining and growing and operating a business day to day with that kind of manager's head on, um, and realizing that I needed someone else to do that. It just felt it was just perfect timing to bring, bring him in and then have him build out the team um, with me alongside him um, uh, from that point forward. And it really is interesting to sort of see those two companies take similar paths, but because they've happened at different stages, just, uh, you know, really adapt very differently as a result. Huh. Very interesting. How, uh, Things can happen sometimes, they just fall right mm. into place, you know? <laughs> um, so I kind of want to touch on the fact that, so personally, when we started our business, like our, our, our marketing agency, um, we thought we had the solution, right? A lot of people think they have a solution, like they create the software, they, have, they, they run this business, and they're like, hey, I have the solution for you. But then once they actually figure out what people need, it's actually not what they, like, that's not what they're looking for. That's not their problem. So running a business or the, or missing letter or Hey summit or any of these is your target market, the same people that you've always come like targeted towards or has it changed after you got that feedback? And once you like kind of adapted to what people like actually needed. Yeah, it's a good question because I think there's a few different ways of answering that one, the longer you go through through life or, or through the life of that company, um, your market is adapting even if you're not, you know, your market is evolving, it's switching, it's changing, you know. Uh, and so even if you do nothing, if you remain static, your market will have changed after a certain period of time. And so there's every chance that it's diverged and, 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 and it is not the same anymore or that the landscape is not the same anymore. There are now new competitors. There are now new trends or, and everything else. And, and Missing Letter is a great example of that where, um, you know, we, we, we sit in the social media sort of space, but we generate those social campaigns based on um, your blog posts. Um, and there are, you know, it, it's still a really compelling product and we've got some great traction, but, you know, we need to continue to innovate. And so the, the market that we thought we were going after uh, is evolving. Um, and then, of course, the other way of answering it is to say, well, you might know who your perfect audience is, but it might be the wrong time in your business to go after them. So the answer might not be any different. It might still be that, for, for argument's sake, enterprise is still your best you know target sort of audience but if you don't have any outside sales or if you don't have the capacity to do that or whatever it might be it might be the wrong time to do it and so it's different time requiring a different answer and so understanding what's right for the business today is just as important as understanding who your target audience is um, and then of course even when you do have your right um, uh, audience in mind and you're you have them signing up as customers you'll find that their needs individually within that cohort um, change and adapt over time as well. The things that were important to them when you first started become less important, potentially, uh, or more important um, uh, as time goes on. And so um, it, it really just, you know, the short answer there is it really just requires you to sort of 
continually challenge yourself and, and, and speak with your customers, that customer development, that customer discovery never stops. Um, you might do it slightly less frequency, uh, frequently, sorry, um, uh, but, it, but, it, but it's always there. It's, it's important to remind yourself of that. Yeah, I totally agree. I've pretty recently realized how important it is to actually, you know, ask your, your customers, like what they're thinking or like what they need, like, what is your feedback? Was this good? Just like that. And then once you get that feedback, you can just like adjust things accordingly. Definitely helps out a lot too. So. But what I'd also throw to that is, is because I agree and I keep, you know, for, the, for that first year of running Missing Letter, I kept on telling myself I should do more and more of that. And it was only when I realized where, I, where my strengths truly lied, that I realized that yes, the business does need us to be asking our customers and, and talking with them and understanding a, a lot more effectively and filtering that back into the product development process and everything else. But I'm not the person to do it. Um, and, th- and that's a really key distinction to make um, because I'm the sort of person that I like to see where the hockey puck is going. I like to think for right or wrong, <laughs> mostly wrong, uh, that I know where the, where the hockey puck is going versus asking the customer, where do you think it should be going? What do you think is, you need and everything else? I kind of work off gut reaction and for too long I allowed that to stop prevent me really from properly putting in a, a, a best practice sort of approach of, of going out reaching to customers and genuinely engaging with their feedback and so when I realized that um, I simply realized that it, it, it's important to delegate that role to someone else in the team who is actually skilled at and passionate about that side of the of the business because the company needs it it just didn't need me doing it. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I, would, I would maybe just challenge people listening to think about, you know, it doesn't have to be customer discovery. It could be any, any type of role. Knowing that the business needs it is great. Make that realization um, if, you know, if, if it turns out to be the case. But then ask yourself, who is the best person to follow through on it? Yeah, again, uh, it's not a one-man team. You know, you can always, like, outsource things. Unless you're a one-man team, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... Kind of an interesting question to ask people, especially like people who are far in business. If you could go back to your beginning self of just your entrepreneurial life and tell yourself one thing that you know now, but you wish that you knew back then, what would it be? Uh, I'm one of those people that, um, that firmly believes that we are where we are because of where we are and what we've done. And, and that's a really bollocky sort of response to give. But I do think that that time that we mentioned at the beginning needed for me anyway, it needed to be put in, in the way that I put it in and knowing what I know now is a direct result of having gone through those things back then. It would be easy for me to say, Oh, I wish I'd been quicker at doing this, that or the other. But the, the fact that I was slow then made me realize later on that I needed to be quicker and, and you wouldn't have that realization. So I, I, it's a bit of a cop out, but I just firmly believe that, that there is no absolute, no substitute for learning mistakes as well as the successes yourself and you know just be so careful about advice that you listen to including this one it doesn't mean that it's the right piece of advice you've really got to understand as quickly as possible what makes you tick so maybe that's the thing that i would i would i would um you know talk back to myself about you know focus on what you're good at uh, and, and and really understand why you're good at it and and where your strengths are and, and how that then contributes to the wider vision the company the team whatever it might happens to be Mm. When you were, when you kind of found out that thing that, that ticked for you, were you like taking some like personality tests or did you just like this really just think about it yourself and like realize that that is what you're good at? It clicked. Yeah, it just, it just sort of clicked in really. Um, it was partly organic, um, by, you know, I, I was gradually getting to a point where, you know, I was, I was getting a bit more arm's length day to day with my businesses intentionally. I was sort of 
pushing myself away a little bit, bringing people in to, to run them day to day and realizing that that actually was quite effective. That was quite good. Um, that was working well. It meant that I had more headspace to think about the bigger picture and, and, and my team were able to sort of deal with the day to day, the operations, the customers, the, the sales, the everything else. Um, but the, the thing that really cemented it was, was when Hey Summit launched um, a few months ago and, um, you know, just realizing that because we were in a position where we could straight away bring in someone at the top level to then build the company down rather than do what I would have done previously, the other way around, it immediately then sort of solidified that thinking and made me realize that, okay, really, this is, you know, as long as this, we can make this work, this is where my future lies in, 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 in putting that time in up front and really getting the business out of the door. Because something I've learned, certainly from, you know, this is unique, just unique to me, that a lot of the problems that, that I've noticed with people trying to get businesses off the ground is, is getting it off the ground and getting it into a market and have it take that first bit of revenue. And there's a huge amount that needs to happen in between, you know, from start to getting it into that sort of market to the point. And that's not product market fit, by the way, there's still that to happen, but just getting it to a discipline of, and to a point of it's in the marketplace, people can engage with it, they can purchase it, it looks polished, it's not an MVP in a, in a dirty sort of way, it's, it, it's fully polished for all intents and purposes, it's, it's been around for 20 years, um, it, it, it just you know, might not have customers yet. Um, and, and that's where I've learned that my skills really, really, I can get it to that stage within a month, whereas it might have taken someone else sort of two years to get to that stage. Um, maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but, but really I, I'm, I'm feverish in, in getting it over that initial line. And so that's what I've learned. Optimize for that side of things and then get it to a point where someone who, can t who wants to take things a little bit slower, because quite frankly, the type of person I am um, doesn't play too well when you, need to, when you have customers. You, know, you need to play a bit more carefully. You don't want to introduce bugs too quickly. You don't want to sort of just rapidly iterate too, too, too sort of, um, uh, viscerally and everything else. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing I would sort of say there. Okay, and would you say like your your expertise goes right up into like at, like you do the marketing, or you have another team that does the marketing? Again, go back to my previous point. It's 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 less about the role, more about the stage. So, if it's pre that stage where it's reached that initial revenue, marketing, sales, development, coding, design, I don't care. I'll do it because I can do it really really well up to that level that is required before it then hits the big time and then I need people to sort of um, do the day-to-day -day sort of boring stuff as I see it. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And so uh, final question, last question that I have for you, what is your biggest piece of advice that you'd give to like SaaS entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurs in general in their startup phase? Yeah, I would, I would um, reiterate some of the points I made already, which is really try and understand the type of person you are. Are you, are, you know, do, do you like to be in front of customers? Do you like to be behind them? Do you like to uh, be coding, be marketing? You know, do you like to do a bit of everything? Do you like to focus on particular stages of the business? Really understand what makes you tick, but not just what makes you tick, because this is not just about making you feel happy. You know, at the end of the day, this is hard work. We're not just trying to find the easiest route. We're trying to find the most effective route. So if it genuinely turns out that you are good at these five things and you really enjoy those five things, then that's what you should be optimizing for. And just don't fall into the trap of feeling as if you have to follow common practice. Um, if I'd done that, I would have literally waited until missing letter was, was, you know, massively crazy, successful, sold. Uh, and then I can move on to business too. Now for a lot of people, that's the common part. That's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But in me realizing that my strengths lied in doing multiple things, it gave me that freedom, that permission almost to go, okay, cool. We've got an established business in missing letter. Uh, it's growing nicely. I've got a team that knows what they're doing. Um, that's got its own path. 
I'm not going to step away and do this other thing. And, and, and realizing that um, is a really key thing. So what is it that you might realize about yourself? Um, and, then, you know, whether that goes against uh, common sort of knowledge or common sort of practice, I would argue doesn't really matter. Just just work out what makes you the most effective operator slash entrepreneur um, you can be. I totally agree. Totally agree. Very good insight. It's, it's nice hearing it from, you know, someone who's already successful, you know, like you can hear, you can like watch people on YouTube who you don't even know if they've like been through it themselves, you know, but like actually hearing it from people who have really gone through it is, is refreshing for a lot of people, you know? So, uh, that, that kind of wraps it up for today. Um, I really appreciate you t like taking the time to do this. Um, it's definitely going to give a lot of insight for a lot of people, help out a lot of people. Um, any final words from you? No, no, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I, I, I hope it has been useful. I, I can waffle. I can give slightly long answers, but um, hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll pick up the passion there. Um, I love doing what I do. So if, if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to um, answer them. Um, life is full of struggles and no less uh, in, in the world of business. So, you know, if you're struggling with something, let me know. Um, you can reach me at, at Ben Dell, B-E-N-D-E-L-L -L, uh, on Twitter. Probably the best place. And um, yeah, love to, love to catch up. Sweet. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Cool. Have a good one. Pleasure. Cheers. Thanks, Al.